This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. It's time. It's time. It's time. It's time for the hard-hitting analysis you won't find anywhere else. Here's former Super Bowl winning scout Brian Broaddus and Bobby Belt. Ten, five, Welcome to the Love of the Star podcast. I am Bobby Belt, Dallas Cowboys insider for 105.3 The Fan in Dallas. Joined as always by former Super Bowl winning NFL scout Brian Broaddus. He is now the co-host of the G-Bag Nation 2 to 7 p.m. Monday through Friday on 105.3 The Fan in Dallas and the pre and post game co-host on the Dallas Cowboys radio network. Brian, how you doing? I'm doing well, Robert. Thank you very much. Good to be with you. Seems yeah. like it's been it's been a little bit of time, right? It has because we we last week even the show that we did was kind of a, a best of where we did stuff off of the radio, and so yeah. we, have, we have sat down and done a, a unique show here in in, in a little bit. Uh, but we've got some stuff to talk about today. Specifically, the quarterback was talking out at a camp that he was doing in Frisco this weekend. Uh, And and he had a couple of interesting things to say, talking about the urgency to win, um, talking about the way that he's preparing for this season and maybe giving a little bit of pause for his health uh, when he talked about preparing for the season. Maybe not. Maybe it's nothing to to concern yourself with, but it's something that we'll uh, we'll at least kick around and get an idea of. Uh, The first thing that he had to say this weekend, he was out there talking about, hey, this, you know, this camp, this opportunity and reaching kids. And it was brought up to him the fact that this is going to be his age 30 season now. And 30 is, is kind of the sweet spot for a lot of these quarterbacks where your, your IQ, your football IQ, the amount of football you've seen, what you understand, and then your physical ability kind of blend together the best that they will. Uh, you know, if you're, you're 35, maybe your physical attributes have slipped. If you're 25, maybe you haven't seen enough football to be fully prepared. And so he was asked to reflect a little bit on being 30 this season. He'll turn 30 out of training camp, and this is what he had to say. Yeah, you know, I've always felt older, I guess. So um, just being 30 doesn't necessarily bother me. But, yeah, knowing that I am the old guy going into year eight, seeing some of the young guys, uh, some of the rookies, just seeing, I guess, the difference in eight years or not. And, uh, yeah, it's fun, though. It really is. It's fun. It's challenging at times, making sure that I stay connected, stay uh 
stay in the now, I guess what it, guess what you mean and, and what's cool and what's not. And um, yeah, but this game is beautiful. That's the point is every time you get out here and you're in between the lines, it doesn't matter how old you are, you play this game like a kid. But did you get over with the creatures since I A thousand percent. Yeah, I mean, a thousand percent. Not only that, just uh, injuries, understanding what I've been through throughout my career. And uh, yeah, understand that the time's not, you don't have forever to play this game. And uh, I'm blessed for each moment that I get each opportunity on and off the field and uh, just trying to take the most of it, but definitely with a sense of urgency. Dak mentions urgency three times there in that cut, and he's always wanted to win. He's always wanted to win now in the moment. But, Brian, when you make a reference to urgency, that sounds like you have a keen awareness of the amount of time you have left. And I don't I don't think Dak Prescott is about to retire or anything else like that. Uh, but it sounds like he's at least getting a little more reflective and thinking to himself, hey, this is – you, you've got to be a little bit more aware of, of this ticking clock that exists here in the NFL. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot different, Bobby, than when he first came into the league. You know, in 2016, he mentioned his. You know, he's getting to be 30 years old. Uh, he's also mentioning his eighth season. Um, there clearly is a sense of urgency for him because I feel like that Dak Prescott is well aware of his responsibility as a quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys. There's a sense of urgency not only for him, for Jerry Jones, for Stephen Jones. You know, this organization has gone a long time without having a run through the playoffs and then into a Super Bowl. And Dak realizes that he's the one right now that has the reins in order to try and get this team to a Super Bowl. He knows how important it is uh, for a lot of guys, you know, not only himself, but for a lot of guys that are maybe a little bit older than him. These are some really some good football teams that he's played for. He, you know, he's had been on some uh, division winning teams. He's been on teams that have been. Uh, into the divisional round of the playoffs. They just haven't been able to get over the hump and then find a way to get to the championship game and then into the Super Bowl. So, yes, uh, he understands that. He understands the the fan base here in Dallas is unique because of the time that they haven't had the success. And he knows that he's the one on his response. It's really his responsibility as a quarterback. And I'm not trying to put it all on Dak, I'm, but as a quarterback, you feel the responsibility of trying to get your team to that game. Uh, Jalen Hurts, his second season in the league, he got his team to a championship game. He got his team to a Super Bowl. You know, They were really a turnover away uh, from potentially winning a Super Bowl. There comes a point in time, think about the pressures that a guy like Dan Marino had. You know, in Dan Marino's first year with the Miami Dolphins, 1984, they go to the Super Bowl. They never sniff again. They never yeah. get back. And so that's the pressure. You don't want to be the guy. And he he's seen he's seen what this fan base has done to Tony Romo and you know and others. Uh, Danny White, you know, he's seen, even though Danny White was on a Super Bowl winning team, he's seen what the starting quarterback, what happens 
when you don't win those Super Bowls or you don't get into championship games. And that's the competitor in him. But to me, there's not only there's a sense of urgency of a lot of people in that organization. Yeah. He's just the one that happened to have the microphone in his face uh, to answer that question. Yeah. And, you know, Dak is somebody who. I know a lot of people think he's just a vanilla soundbite, and he is most of the time. That's usually very much on purpose. Uh, but he he's, he picks his words very carefully. There's usually not a word out of place. So the fact that he says urgency three times, I, I think it's easy for some people to listen to it and say, ah, he's just throwing you another cliche. He's talking about a sense of urgency and everything else. It's like, no, I, I think that Dak is going to communicate exactly what he wants you to know. And the fact that he repeated that three times, I think, says – that urgency is top of mind for him. And that's not a buzzword he's used very often. I guess here's my, I'm, I'm going to paint a couple different scenarios for you. It's here for you, Brian. You tell me which one you think is the most likely. The discussion of urgency for Dak Prescott. Do you think that's urgency in terms of understanding the, the finite amount of time you have here in the NFL? Is that urgency in terms of his time in Dallas specifically? that he realizes I need to get this done if I want it to get done in Dallas, not necessarily for his career. Urgency in the sense that he's reflecting the urgency of his head coach, whose job might be on the line. Yeah. Or maybe urgency in in reflecting the owner and general manager, Jerry Jones, who says, I don't know how much time I have left. Yeah, I just, I mean, in, when we had that initial conversation, Bobby, I, I just didn't feel like that it was Dak Prescott with the sense of urgency. Yeah. Mike McCarthy has a sense of urgency. I think the Jones family has a sense of urgency. You know, I, I this is not one of these things. I don't think Dak Prescott has to wear the pressure of trying to get this team to the Super Bowl. I think the pre, I think this is one of those. If you want to talk about it, it needs to be the dog sled. And you know, if Dak Prescott's the lead dog in the sled, well. Mike McCarthy it might be the dog next to him, and Jerry Jones might be the dog behind them. And, you know, they've got to figure this thing out. This, this fan base, honestly, has had enough. I think they've been very patient for the most part. And there's those people that absolutely love this team with every bit of fiber in their body. And, but it's getting to a point in time where, you're getting very, uh, very weary of pointing the finger. Well, it's McCarthy, it's Prescott, it's Jones. You know, they all are feeling, you know, if there's not success, the one thing or maybe the two things that will change are the head coach and the quarterback. You know, the Jones family is going to own this team as long as, uh, you know, they have the opportunity to do that. And so that's not going to change. So the sense of urgency, and I, I do, like I said, I think there's a sense of urgency for Jerry Jones just because he's 80 years old. Yeah. You know, we're not guaranteed tomorrow. He he saw his best friend several years ago, Al Davis, you know, and yeah, trying to build a championship team, trying to get back, trying to, you know, yeah. And when when you don't have that success, you're not guaranteed anything. And I think that Jerry, Dak, Mike, I think there's a lot of players 
and people in that organization feel that feel exactly what Dak Prescott is talking about right now. Because if another year goes by, Bobby, and we're sitting here and it's like, well, you know, McCarthy did this as the play caller and Dak did this as the quarterback and Jerry didn't get him enough players, you know, the two things that could change are the quarterback and the head coach. Yeah. Those are the things that that could change because – you can't continually try to do things, even though people who follow the Cowboys for a long time believe that they've done the same thing over and over and over and over again with the same with the same uh, you know with the same bit of success that they get to a certain level and then things from that point on don't allow them to to enjoy the the benefits of a championship that they had in the early '90s. Yeah, I mean, look, the the way time flies, it, it it feels like Dak Prescott's been in the league for a couple of years. It seems like just yesterday, Tony Romo was the quarterback of this team. But when you think about the fact that by the time this season ends, we're getting really close to a decade of, of Dak right. Prescott being your starting quarterback, that there's only so much that you can just say, hey, this is this wasn't right, this wasn't right, this wasn't right. It's very difficult to win a title, obviously. It's, it's one team out of 32 every year, but... You, you definitely need to see at least progress past what you've seen in the last 27 years. You need to get to an NFC title game in order to buy yourself more time to get a, to a title or, or, or whatever else, because it is a fan base that's getting pretty antsy. One of the interesting things he talked about uh, out there was Nick Eatman, DallasCowboys.com, uh, your old co-worker. He had asked him about, hey, are you approaching things any differently this offseason in terms of your preparation, your diet, anything else? And that gave kind of an interesting answer that I'm curious for your thoughts on. I mean, I can't say necessarily, I mean, diet or workouts or anything like that. Um, no, I mean, just just trying to stay healthy, trying to stay on everything on top of the ankle, prehabbing a lot of things. Just, uh, as I said, trying to stay ahead of, of injuries and keeping my body in the right position, in the right place. And um yeah, no, I mean, and having fun doing it. I mean, as we said, you get into year eight, you've got to find ways just to continue to make this fun and make this remember that it's a game as you're continuing to train and, and push yourself to get better. He talks about prehabbing and making sure he's on top of the ankle. Yeah. I think for a lot of people, they felt like, okay, I thought we were past the ankle. I thought this was something that we we weren't really talking about anymore. But the way Dak talks about it there, and, and I know we talked about it a little bit on 105 Through the Fan this morning, there were some people who texted into the station and said, I broke my ankle, I have screws, I have a, a metal bar in there, whatever else. And they all said, yeah, it, it bugs you like for a while. It, it's something that you deal with pain. Or uh, in one instance, a guy said he still plays hockey after breaking his ankle, and it's been years, and he has to prehab it in order to be able to play on it each time. So uh, my question here for you, Brian, is that when you hear Dak talk about that, do you think that they've maybe downplayed how much that has, I guess, altered the way that he prepares in an off season, prepares in a game and everything else, that this is something that we just got to deal with the reality of Dak's probably always going to have to space, pay special attention to that ankle for the rest of his career. Yeah, absolutely, Bob. I, I don't think there's any question. It's something that was a, it was a horrific injury that he suffered. You know, when you start talking about compound fractures and things like yeah. that, and then he got to the point where he was rehabbing and they had to go back in and do a second surgery on him. You know, because of how hard he's pushing himself. And, you know, Britt Brown is very mindful of all these players who have had knees and shoulders and backs and ankles like Dak Prescott has had. 
So, yeah, I mean, uh, he, you know, obviously he has to think about, did I lose flexibility in the ankle? You know, is it something, do I have to go in there and break up scar tissue? Do I have to, you know, what, what's my flex, uh, flexion there? You know, can, is there stuff they can do? Uh, is there treatment I can get to kind of get it stronger? And, you know, that, that's an area that, uh, you know, I think psychologically it probably hurt him more than it did physically because all of a sudden now Jerry Jones and coaches are like going, listen, try not to run, try not yeah. to get outside the pocket, try not to expose yourself to potential tackles and injuries. And I've always been one of these guys that have believed that when Dak Prescott is bloodied and muddied, He's one of the best players in the league because he he when he feels the game, when he feels the vibe of how it's being played, he responds, he adjusts his level of how he plays. And, you know, that injury robbed him, I believe, of that total confidence of being able to like, okay, I'm going to go run. I, I know I saw a deal where, uh, and I forgot the gentleman who broke it down on Twitter, but they broke down the interceptions or one of the interceptions in the San Francisco game last year. And he was talking about that Dak could have taken off running and it would have been a collision and all this, that, and the other. You know, instead he stands, he makes the throw. It's a great read by the safety, you know, and but that's where you wonder about Dak, you know, where Dak did did this ankle injury rob him of that ability to play bloodied and muddied and all those things where when he was when he's on that mode he is hard to stop you know and so psychologically I think there's some things that they're dealing with and I think you know the coaches like I mentioned the front office Dak we need you don't do this don't do this don't do this you know, and I, I think that's, I think that's 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 hurt him the last couple of years. Some interesting comments from your quarterback, to be sure. Some stuff that we'll uh, be on the lookout for here in just about two weeks when we get out there to Oxnard. It's it's not far away at all. I'll tell you, Bobby, real quick. Another yeah. thing, remember when he got out to Oxnard uh, a couple of years ago, and they had the problem with the shoulder. You yep. know, he was dealing with the that the baseball injury, you know, yeah. that he was dealing with. And so, you know, there's things now that he, at 30 he has to think about. He has to think about the ankle. He has to think about his shoulder or the lat or whatever he was dealing with because he is going to fight through a lot of things. But if these things start hindering him and his ability to do his job – there's where your sense of urgency comes in as well, because he's thinking, I've got to do this. I've got to do that. I've got to, you know, he that's that weighs in his mind very, very deeply. Yeah. And I mean, you just the fact that when you hear him talking there about not just prehabbing the ankle, but he also talked about all the things you do just to prevent injury. You know, you make sure that you're in a position where you're not going to get hurt. I think that's something we we've talked about that a lot. I think injuries have been on his mind a lot the last couple of years, not just because when he's dealing with them, I think there have been times where it feels like he's actively thinking about, I can't get hurt. I can't have, I got to be here for my team. And I think that's honestly been part of the issues when we see him make some puzzling decisions over the last two years where it looked like his game shifted, to be honest, is I think he just started 
feeling like I can't get hit. I don't know that I can trust my my health right now. And if my guys aren't blocking for me, I got to bail on a throw or I got to do something else. I do think that it's had an impact on him. And hopefully uh, we see that prehab, uh, you know, have a, a positive effect for him heading into this season. Bobby, can I, can I circle back real quick on something? Yeah. From the first the conversation about Dak, I on 105.3 The Fan, I feel like that Dak is capable of winning a Super Bowl. I really do. Yeah. I I don't know if it's this coaching staff, though. I, I, I'm saying it from an offensive perspective of things, just yep. because I don't know. You know, just because I don't know. I, 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 you know, I mentioned about changing out, like change out the coaches, change out the quarterback. Ownership doesn't change. You know, that's really the next thing. If they don't have success, it is going to be a coaching change. You know, it is going to be, can somebody else come in here and, and, and put things together where Dak is capable or can win in the playoffs and win a Super Bowl? I, I think the last piece that changes if things really start to go south is, the, is Dak himself. I think it would be the coaches uh, you know, going, then you think about the quarterback. Of course, I mentioned that the ownership is not going to change. But now it turns into if the offense doesn't work, if, the, if there's just too much turnover. And I, I honestly believe this. I know I get in trouble on our podcast a bunch, whether it's Dak DNA or – uh, or, you know, talking about Malik Hooker at safety. Or, you know, I know I do believe Dak can win a Super Bowl. I really do. The The problem he runs into, though, is he is going to need this offensive staff to help him get there. You know, the players, you know, we'll see. But this offensive staff has to help him get there. And that's the question. And, I, and the things that worry me about this group is that – they don't figure it out fast enough. You know, all of a sudden you're halfway through and then McCarthy's like, well, maybe Brian Schottenheimer needs to call the plays, yeah. you know, and now we're in full, you know, scramble mode that way. Uh, but a lot of pressure on Dak, a lot of pressure on McCarthy, a lot of pressure on Jerry Jones in this front office. It is all over the place for the Cowboys as they yeah. head into the 2020. Thanks for letting me circle back on that. I just no, no, it's, thought, it's all it's all valuable stuff, yeah. and these are these are the things we're going to be wondering as we step out there at training camp. These are the types of, type of questions that we're going to be asking as yeah. we head out there to Oxnard and, and get a look at this team. You are listening to the Love of the Star podcast, the Love of the Stars, and Odyssey podcast. You can find it on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Right. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. 
Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, guys, uh, I got to tell you really quick uh, before we go on to anything else about our wonderful partner here at Love the Star. It is Boomer Jacks. I've, I've been telling you guys about them for several weeks now. Brian and I both have. Uh, we love seeing you guys send us those photos on social media of you guys hanging out out there, uh, enjoying a cold beer, enjoying some wings or a burger or whatever else. Uh, it warms our heart, and I know it warms Boomer Jack's heart. Uh, we're glad that you guys are enjoying it as much as we do. I keep telling you guys specifically about Tuesdays and Wednesdays because Tuesdays are half price bone-in wings. Wednesdays are half price boneless wings, but they've got great deals the rest of the week as well. Drink specials starting at $3, $15 buckets of beer, and it is the coldest beer anywhere around. And it, it's just the perfect spot for whatever you're looking for. If you're looking for, you know, a happy hour spot for you and your coworkers, Boomer Jacks is perfect for that. If you're looking for a nice dinner spot for the family somewhere to unwind, it's a great spot too. My kids love the tableside s'mores that they bring out there. If you're looking for somewhere to watch the game, Boomer Jacks, man, wall-to-wall TVs. And I mean that literally. The TVs fill up the walls at Boomer Jacks. You are going to be so glad you went there. There are 17 DFW locations. You can find yours by going to boomerjacks.com. That is boomerjacks.com. All right, Brian, it is now time to continue the next portion of our roster inventory. We're getting to the linebackers now. We're going to run through the rest of these positions before uh, we get out to Oxnard, before we get to training camp. And as we take a look at the linebacker group, here is who we are looking at currently. And we we counted Micah Parsons as an edge rusher instead of a linebacker. Uh, but here's the linebacker group as it stands right now. Damone Clark, Jabril Cox, Devin Harper, Malik Jefferson, Isaiah Land from Florida A&M. Keep an eye on Isaiah Land because I think they like him a great deal. DeMarvian Overshown, the rookie from Texas. And Leighton Vander Esch, the linebacker, uh, the, the sixth-year linebacker now, I believe, out of Boise State. Brian, your first impressions when you look at this linebacker group right here, uh, there's a lot of unknowns still. Um, even even the guy you feel most confident in, probably, Leighton Vander Esch, there's always going to be the health question and the consistency question. Uh, you know, you, you, you probably feel good about projecting Damone Clark a little bit. Um, but but you don't know with certainty uh, what he's going to be um, because there, there's still a bit of a projection. You're still waiting on Jabril Cox to hit. Uh, what are your thoughts when you take a look at this linebacker group? They might be one guy short right now, Bobby. Uh, and now, and uh, you know, Micah Parsons. I think you can make as part of this group too. You know, sure. I know that, uh, but. There's there's really an unknown with Jabril Cox right now, you know. There's that there's that one step forward, two step back. New coach George Edwards no longer with the organization. Uh, you know Scott McCurley now the coach of the linebackers. Uh, under the Mike Nolan administration, he was the linebacker coach. He's friends with the head coach. Yeah. He was part of the Wisconsin backyard coaching group that was in the barn, you know, breaking down stuff. 
Scott McCurley has a huge responsibility this year. And he, and he is, we have an idea what Micah Parsons is going to do, but we don't know what, like I say, the Jabril Cox. We felt like that Damone Clark, when, when Leighton Vanders was playing next to him, I felt like he was a better player. Uh, we've talked about him to the point where I know personally, I didn't think he was going to play at all last year. No. To his credit, to Britt Brown's credit, to the medical staff's credit, he played for you last year and at times looked very good. He's he's capable of being a much better player than he even showed last year for you. I feel like there were some flashes where, you know, it's like, ah, there you go. That's what I used to see at LSU. Uh, but there's other times where he looked lost. He looked out of place. Uh, it didn't look totally comfortable when it was him and Barr playing next to each other. You know, it's like Barr really didn't help him. So I I think there's, you know, I have a lot of questions about Jabril Cox. I don't have as many questions about Clark, but I, I just think he's capable. Overshone is the interesting one because of what he's done in his career, like at Texas, being a safety, then a linebacker in that. The athletic ability, the run hit factor, the size, the ability, you know, how quickly can he pick things up? Mm-hmm. How quickly can he, you know, when they put him in certain situations, is he just playing on natural ability or is he playing because he really understands what he's doing? And this is, again, where it comes down to Scott McCurley and this coaching staff on the defensive side of the ball at linebacker. You know, he's got guys, like I say, he's got Cox, he's got Clark, Overshome, you know, young guys, young guys here that, you know, Harper, you know, young guys that don't have a whole lot of experience, but, you know, they need to grow up fast. You know, Leighton Vanderesh is your most established player. Parsons, when you put him in there, he's established. But everybody else kind of has this this uncertainty about their game. Will will they be able to, you know, will they be able to elevate their game? And, you know, will a guy like Overshone be better than Cox? Will Cox be better than Clark? Will Harper be better than all these guys? You know, that's the that's the big unknown right now that you know, that Scott McCurley has to figure out and the staff has to figure out. And, you know, it can't be just running around out there just playing on natural ability. It's got to be about playing like Leighton Vanderish. Read your keys, get to the ball, finish. You know, all these guys are capable of playing that way, but it sure is an unproven group right now. You know, it's interesting. You just said you're, you're talking about could this guy be better than this guy, this guy. And then you said, uh, could, could Harper be better than all of them? Yeah, and that, that was actually the it was something that I was going to transition over to and ask you about. Would it? I'm not saying it's likely, um, but it would. Would it stun you if the second best linebacker on this team for this upcoming season were Devin Harper? I mean, he he flashed. He looked good at times last year before he got hurt and missed the year. And I mean, we we still got to see Damone Clark coming to his own. There've been questions about Jabril Cox. We don't know how pro-ready uh, DeMarvey and Overshone is going to be. Yeah. I mean, you got to keep in mind, he's a relatively new linebacker. I mean, is there a shot that we could be talking about, hey, Devin Harper might be 
the next best linebacker after Micah Parsons and Leighton Vander Esch. I think he's I think he's in the mix with the guys that we're talking about right now. I think all these guys have the ability to run and hit and finish. You know, they I, they do. You know, I've seen it. Harper, Oklahoma State, watching him play a bunch. I mean, sideline to sideline guy. Clark, sideline to sideline guy at LSU. Cox, really good in coverage, but, you know, could really get after the ball. You know, uh, I, I just kind of feel like overshone, you know, you see him at Texas and, and what he's done. It, it could, could, could it work out for Harper that way? I, I'm not going to sit there and say, oh, yeah, absolutely, but – I just feel like that he is in that he's in that mix where he's capable of making a lot of plays. And it whichever one of these guys is going to play, it is going to be because like I said Bobby, they they understand the scheme yeah. and they're able to read as they play. They're not going to put anybody out there that is just going to make glaring mistakes on misreads, overrun plays, be out of position. Coaches don't have time for those guys. It's funny. I uh, I, I don't want to be mean, especially to a former Longhorn, but I, I don't think it's a coincidence that when you talk about overrunning plays and misreading. Like Malik Jackson? That, that the one guy we're not talking about here really is Malik Jefferson. It, um, oh, Malik Jefferson, I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Malik Jefferson is a is a good athlete. Uh, Malik Jefferson, when he guesses right, it's devastating. I mean, he he will hit you. He'll light you up. The problem is it feels like he guesses a lot. Do you think we're looking at a situation where Malik Jefferson probably on the outside looking in, a veteran maybe they like to keep around on the practice squad or, or you know, a Monday through Saturday type of guy, but the, the chances of him being a guy they use on Sundays is pretty low? I'll tell you what, Bobby, when we were out there for the OTAs and minicamps, read how you want to read. He was getting some work, ones, twos. You know, he was getting opportunity where every one of those other guys that we were talking about should have been getting work. Clark, Cox, you know, I mean, he was out there. You you see number 46, you know, lining up with the ones, lining up with the twos. You know, I, me personally, Bobby, I, I'd like to see the coaches – I'd like to see we, – we know what Van Der Esch and Parsons is. Yeah. I want to see a training camp practice every day where they're throwing these young guys in the deep end of the pool and saying swim. I just – I want – you know, either show me that you can work effectively against a good offense that likes to, you know, do a lot of different things. Show me you can read what they're doing. Show me you can get off blocks. Show me you can cover. Show me you can get to the ball and tag off on guys. You know, show me that. And whoever that two or three guys is, that's who I'm playing with. Everybody else, I'm, you know, I'm giving, I'm giving all these guys a shot. You know, I'm giving them shots. I, I know what Parsons, I know what Vanderish is. Clark, Cox, Harper, all these guys, you know, you've got to find a way. Uh, to 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 make plays, if you want to be on this team, and you could do it in practice, and you could do it in these preseason games. Last question here before we move on to the the mailbag here. When you take a look at all the uncertainty here, like we've talked about, and I don't know what the name would be. Maybe the name's Miles Jack. Maybe it's Zach Cunningham. I don't know who it is. My guy, Miles Jack. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Look, hey, they still need a running back. 
uh, when, when you look at the the potential for there to be a lot of questions after the first week of camp, do you think they're, they they might explore the free agent market and say they get to camp and go, man, we got to add somebody? I I've I've. I've always believed this, Bobby, and I love being on this platform with you because we have a lot of really loyal listeners that that are hanging with us. I believe linebacker and maybe the running back, two spots, are surplus trade for at the end of the final cut type deals. Yeah. Those are the two positions I'm keeping a really, really strong eye on is linebacker, how that group plays, running back, how that group plays, because of any surplus that I have, I'm going to try, if those positions don't work out, I'm going to try and take my surplus. And surplus, I'm meaning extra defensive linemen, extra offensive linemen, extra defensive backs, extra receivers, whatever I have to do to go and get me a legitimate linebacker. Or go get me a legitimate running back. Two spots. And just like you mentioned, yeah, if I see this group not practicing well, not playing well, being a liability in preseason games, or looking lost and confused and all that, whether it's sign a guy, claim a guy, or trade for a guy, I'm keeping all those options open on those two particular positions. Yeah, and I mean, Dan Quinn has shown uh, these first two years here in Dallas that, you know, or Dan Quinn along with Will McClay uh, and the pro scouting department has shown a willingness to get into camp and pretty quickly decide this isn't going to cut it. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the first year Dan Quinn was here, they decided safeties aren't going to cut it, bring in Malik Hooker. Uh, right. The next year it was linebackers aren't cutting it, bring in Anthony Barr. It, also last year, they didn't do it right away. It was more middle. They ended up doing it middle of the season. But you remember they brought Tack McKinley in for a workout during yeah. training camp. And yeah. so they, they similarly looked at it and said, Edge rushers aren't going to cut it. So they they are have been known these last two years to take a look at their defense. Dan Quinn, Will McClay working together. They've been known to look at it and just say, this isn't cutting it. We need to go get somebody right now. And so I, I, I like the, the decisiveness they've shown the last two years to quickly evaluate and say, this needs to be better. And I think linebacker would be one that would make a lot of sense that they could yeah. look at pretty fast and say, like you say, either we've got to start looking at stuff for trades at the end of camp or maybe we need to go out there and talk to Rashawn Evans. We need to talk to Miles yeah. Jack. We need to, we need to look for something. I think that to me, Bobby, the the veteran list, the guys you mentioned, are I, I think are really good options. But if you could give me a young guy that looks like that he might fit into what we're doing, you know, I mean, maybe the maybe Bobby, what what I'm maybe you're absolutely right that the young guys on currently don't cut it. And you have to go get a veteran guy. You yeah. have to go get somebody that that uh, you know it has played in games. You know that they can put on the field and they're not going to make mistakes. It it might not be a guy that you can get with surplus. You know, but maybe the surplus guy can give you a two or three year guy that's 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 got a it's got a pretty good track record for being a good special teams player, but also being a guy that. You might might hit on if you put them in the, put them on the lineup. You're listening to the Love of the Star podcast. The Love of the Star is an Odyssey podcast. You can find it on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What up, y'all? It's your boy Danny Green, three-time NBA champ. You either rooted for me or rooted against me. Join myself and my co-host Harrison Sanford on the Inside the Green Room podcast. It's a podcast that brings you never-before-told tales from the locker room to candid interviews with basketball legends to breakdowns of what's happening in the NBA right now. Whether you're a diehard fan or casual about your hoops, this podcast brings you the game like never before. Follow Inside the Green Room on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, guys, uh, I got to tell you really quick uh, before we go on to anything else about our wonderful partner here at Love the Star. It is Boomer Jacks. I've I've been telling you guys about him for several weeks now. Brian and I both have. uh, We love seeing you guys send us those photos on social media of you guys hanging out out there, uh, enjoying a cold beer, enjoying some wings or a burger or whatever else. Uh, It warms our heart, and I know it warms Boomer Jack's heart. Uh, We're glad that you guys are enjoying it as much as we do. I keep telling you guys specifically about Tuesdays and Wednesdays because Tuesdays are half-price bone-in wings. Wednesdays are half-price boneless wings, but they've got great deals the rest of the week as well. Drink specials starting at $3, $15 buckets of beer, and it is the coldest beer anywhere around. And it's just the perfect spot for whatever you're looking for. If you're looking for, you know, a happy hour spot for you and your coworkers. Boomer Jacks is perfect for that. If you're looking for a nice dinner spot for the family somewhere to unwind, it's a great spot too. My kids love the tableside s'mores that they bring out there. If you're looking for somewhere to watch the game, Boomer Jacks, man, wall-to-wall TVs. And I mean that literally. The TVs fill up the walls at Boomer Jacks. You are going to be so glad you went there. There are 17 DFW locations. You can find yours by going to boomerjacks.com. That is boomerjacks.com. All right, Brian, it is now time for our Dean Julia Love of the Star mailbag, and we can continue on with some news in part with this mailbag here uh, because there's a question that sets up really nicely for for a development that we had this week in a conversation that I wanted to have. Brandon Laurie says, what are your thoughts on the new kicker, Brandon Aubrey? He seemed to be pretty successful at the USFL level. I'll be completely honest, Brian. I have not uh, scouted Brandon Aubrey's USFL tape. Uh, I know he was an accurate kicker there in the USFL, and I know that they had success finding a special teamer in the USFL last year when they got Cavante Turpin. But here was something I thought was interesting. They go out, they get Aubrey, that's great. Did you see Todd Archer's article this week reporting the news? About Aubrey? Yes, and the note he had in there about Brett Maher. No, I did not see that particular story. Here was the quote on Friday. Actually, I guess it wasn't this week, but Friday – Uh, he's talking about the Brandon Aubrey signing, and he says the Cowboys did not take a hard look at the veteran free agent market, which includes Robbie Gould and Mason Crosby. And last year's kicker, Brett Maher, was not inclined to re-sign with the team. So that's interesting. That's the first time I've heard, and uh, Todd would know, that's the first time I've heard maybe the reason you don't have Brett Maher back is Brett Maher felt a little hung out to dry. And not that that's Todd's... What Todd's saying there. Todd's just saying he wasn't inclined to sign. Doesn't yeah. say why. Todd would but know. The only thing I can think as to why he wouldn't be inclined to sign is you guys kind of hung me out to dry here at the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I you know, Todd, Todd would know. Todd's mm-hmm. one of the best beat writer reporters for any team in the league. And I'm not just saying that because he's a friend of ours. Todd legitimately 
cares about every single story he puts on that side at ESPN. Yeah. I will say this, though. I do have a scouting report on Of course on you Brandon. I knew you would. Yeah. <laughs> I knew you would. I, I asked one of my gang of sevens about, you know, asked a couple of them, but I asked this one got back to me, and this is a team that's looking for a kicker. So th- this team would know. And I asked about Aubrey, and I, he said, he says, was really good, smooth, accurate, poised, good at kickoffs as well. Heard very good person wiring for the position as well. That's so, an important line at the end. Wiring for the position is something that's very yeah, important. Yeah. Cowboys. So that that was that was one of my gang of sevens. That particular team is looking for a kicker. So he had an idea of what you know what you know everybody was uh, trying to get. I think it's fascinating about the guys like the Robbie Goulds and people like that. I, I had a I had a team, a gang of seven guy tell me, he's like, listen, this guy doesn't want to kick field goals from fifty yards anymore. He just doesn't. Yeah. He doesn't want and he doesn't want to kick off. You know? So why would you sign a guy? What's the one thing that Mike McCarthy how many I mean, look at Brett Maher last year. How many fifty yard field goals did they attempt last year? A lot. A yeah. lot. I so mean, it wasn't the, the f- too. Yeah, it wasn't the fifty yard field goals that were the problem for 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 Brett Maher. It was the thirty seven yard field goal that was the problem. The thirty three yard field goal that was the problem. You know, that's that's the difference. But everything everything that that you know, I, I was really I was pleased to hear that Aubrey, you know, he's a Dallas kid, uh, so in the from the area, and soccer player at Notre Dame and all that, you know. But I was really enthused by hearing that uh, from a particular scout who 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 had, had to do their due diligence on this guy. By the way, Brett Maher last year, uh, nine of eleven from fifty. Uh, so they used him a, a lot, and that was just during the regular season. That's without looking at the playoffs. See, they that's used him a the lot thing. That's that's. I just don't get the feeling. I just don't get the feeling right now that you know when when Tristan Viscaino, yeah, when he kicks from forty two, fine. It's High Relahu all over again. Forty six, fine. Mm-hmm. Fifty, that ball sounds. Thin, and it doesn't quite have that where it's climbing, climbing the upright. You know where Maher's hitting it, and it's at the top of the upright. You know, yep. Viscaino very much is a like we're kicking in snow. You know, like we're Adam Vinatieri trying to knock home a field goal in a, a playoff game. You know, we're yeah. driving it in the snow, and it it just sneaks over. I don't hear the power, and I don't see that ball climbing the upright like you would a kicker from from distance. I just don't see it. And so, that's something that they've shown a, a clear desire to have with Zerline and Maher. Hey, and the fact that they liked Garibay. Garibay yeah. was all about power. It was never the accuracy. The thing about it is we get out to Oxnard, and we know this, at that tennis courts where we're at and the fields, there's trees all around the in, in the end zones, these t- yeah. huge trees. 
And when the wind blows, it comes over the top of those trees and hits that goalpost. So you will get kicks. I remember, like you said, you know, uh, Garibay and those guys all last year. I mean, they they couldn't get anything high. Alahu, they couldn't get anything. I mean, they had days where they're like two of eight, two of two of six, whatever. And so you got to be ready out there because that wind will knock that ball down and it'll look bad. It'll Garib- look really bad. Yeah, it'll look Garib- really bad. I remember he was on the right hash kicking one and it landed in the corner end zone of the opposite practice field. Yeah. Like, I mean, that's the way that that wind can carry yeah. things. Also, Garibay was very inaccurate the whole time we were out there, yeah. but it showed they love power. That That's clearly something that Bones Fossil is a yeah. big fan of is the big leg and Mike McCarthy likes the advantage of it. So definitely something interesting there. A little bit of kicker talk, but I did find that note from Todd Archer. Very interesting. That's the first time I'd heard anybody report yeah. that maybe Brett Maher just didn't want to be back here. Right. Uh, and I think it's interesting that was out there. Uh, well, we got time probably for another question or two here. Dean Julia asking rank these skills in the order in which CD is more likely to improve going into this year, Brian better after the catch better contested catcher, better route runner. What he's likely to improve on? Yep. After I, the catch. I think I, after the catch. I think after the catch is the big one here. I, I to me, I've never I've never wondered why maybe maybe Brian Schottenheimer's doing me a favor here. But I never could understand why anybody wouldn't go back and look at Oklahoma tape, Lincoln Riley, Oklahoma, CeeDee Lamb tape. Yeah. I, I, I can't for the life of me figure that out. I don't know how you would not steal two or three of these plays that gets Lamb on the ball, on move, and catching the ball and having him run. I don't know. I mean, and maybe maybe that maybe it was below Maybe it was below Kellen Moore to have to go do that. I don't know. I'm just throwing it out there. But I don't know how you – CeeDee Lamb was one of the best receivers in the country coming out when it came to run after catch. Yeah. I want to believe I could see that guy again. I want to believe that. Yeah, and I mean, honestly, with, with what they're trying to do with the West Coast system here or the Texas Coast – um, you know, if he's going to be running more slants across the middle of the field, they're going to need him to, to be better after the catch. Yeah. And so I, I think that, look, I think he's already a really good route runner. I think it's probably that order that he listed it more. Most likely he improves as a, an after the catch guy. I don't know that he's ever going to be a great contested catch guy no. just because of the size. Um, yeah. I, I think he's going to give it his damnedest every time. It's just, there, yeah. there are certain physical limitations, but I think he's already pretty polished as a route runner. So after the catch is where you could really see something. Uh, last question here, Brian. This one from Eastside Sammy. He says, what would you need to see in the first six weeks to feel like the switch in OC worked or caused improvement besides wins? And six weeks is the perfect marker, Brian, because weeks five and six, you are on the road against San Francisco and you are on the road against the Chargers. So to me, the litmus test for in the first six weeks, did the change, you know, with the play caller work is going to come from the fact that do you look better against San Francisco than you've looked the last couple of years? And do you look like you're out coaching or if you're getting out coached by Kellen Moore on the opposite sideline against the Chargers? I think the the Chargers and 49ers games back to back might be the biggest test 
all year in terms of did you make the right call moving to Mike McCarthy as your play caller? Yeah, that's what I was kind of thinking, Bobby, that, you know, uh, very early, I, I just worry that this team might be three and three. And then all of a sudden it's like McCarthy's like, uh, we need to change the play caller here, you know, and then that, that things aren't as clean and, and pretty. I, I don't want to, I don't want to believe that, but I, that, that very well could be the possibility, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, I, I just, I don't know. Like I said, I, I, I'm really op- open and hopeful that they, that they could, that this thing really gets off the jump, you know, right? I mean, week one, week two, you know, Dak's looking sharp. They're Tony Pollard. They're finding a way to get the ball. Gallup's involved. The Ferguson schoonmaker, you know, Terrence Steele is doing things in the running game once again with, with, uh, with Zach Martin. You know, I, I just, I just don't want to, I just don't want to, you know, have it all of a sudden that like, ah, uh, well, Dan Quinn had to pull out another game here. Oh, they yeah. had to pull out another game because, you know, the defense got another, got another stop. Oh, you know, I mean, I personally just would like to see this thing get off, you know, just get off right off the jump. You know, and and that Mike's into that play calling. You know, I, I was said to down the radio. I would like to see. You know, people were asking, "Well, does Dak need to play more in the preseason?" And I said, "Well, you know, you can work around it this way. Is there a better defense he's going to be going against than his own defense? Yeah, you know, he's just not going to get hit. But I'd love to see a ten to fifteen minute period a day." Where Mike is the primary play caller, Dan's the primary defensive play caller, and they just go at it. You don't get the tackle, but we're we're going to move the ball a little bit. You know, we got good blocking. We're going to run. We're going to tag off. We're not going to take the backs to the ground. We're not going to take a shot at the receiver. You know, but Mike's calling plays. Dan's calling defenses, and he and you just kind of have that. You you see like. Gilmore and Diggs covering and you see the slot being covered by Bland and Micah Parsons is rushing against uh you know Tyron Smith you know and that kind of stuff yeah that's where I think that you could if they did that kind of stuff you could have an idea like oh the offense looking good today against a top five defense you know I think you could tell something from that I don't know if McCarthy would ever do it, but I think it would get him back in that mode of calling plays. You know, defense on one side, offense on the other. Here we go. It's almost like a scrimmage without tackling. But you could see Dak if he's adapting. You could see the receivers in routes. You see the corners in coverage. You see the the rush. Are they picking it up? Blitz pickup. Yeah. You know? That would be far more beneficial to Dak than playing uh, ten plays in a preseason game, where yeah. he can maybe get hit in the back, you know, because of something. You know, right. I, I don't know, uh, Bobby. There was a question. Somebody asked a really good yeah. question, yeah. and I tr- and I tried to I tried to tag it. God darn it! I, I can't find it on my uh, my sheet. Um, so I said I said this was a really good question. And oh, 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 oh. Okay. Smoothie Jazz J, real quick. Uh-huh. Smoothie Jazz J, you can answer this one. Who yeah. plays linebacker if Leighton Vanderesh gets injured? 
I know we talked about linebackers earlier, but who? Micah, who? Micah probably rushes less. So I would say Mike is probably playing full-time linebacker in those games instead of rushing. And then yeah. what you're seeing is you're just I, – I, I think the starting linebackers this year are likely to be Damone Clark and Leighton Vander Esch. And, and yeah. Mike is obviously cycling in and doing some different things. Right. But given how often they're going to be in nickel, they're going to have two linebacker looks most of the time other than right. Mike kind of floating. So I would say they'd probably just commit Mike to playing linebacker in those situations and then say, all right, well, we'll it'll be Mike and Damone. Um, yeah. But, I mean, it's – it may be whatever player they potentially go acquire at the end of training camp or, or whoever else, because they, they very well may need to stock that. If they don't need to go acquire somebody, my sense of it is Devin Harper and Damone Clark have both really stepped up. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. So, I, I, I tagged that. I thought that was a great question. I thought it was a good question. Yeah. It Thank you guys. Question. Thanks for everybody for all their questions. I, I yeah. know we don't get, maybe we could do one of these shows. Where we get to answer all questions, but right absolutely. now it's kind of is where we're at right now so. absolutely there are the guys who like for instance i know when brian put out the call this week i think we got like 53 questions so i they're, really they're, appreciate they're, you folks we yeah. love it we, yeah, we, we thank love you. it thank so you. great you guys and yeah we'll do we'll do one of these question answers maybe that'll be our next episode brian we, we can yeah, do enough just take just take all, all questions yeah we'll, that'd we'll, be good we'll bank up your questions and knock them out uh yeah. for brian Broadus, i am bobby bell we thank you so much for listening to the love the star podcast until next time we will talk to you guys later